0: which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode
1: 302.
0: Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we vaguely glanced at the Johnny Depp trial against Amber Heard and then quickly looked away because pooping in a bed and severed-fingered were among the most the phrases uttered, and, I mean, were there ever any fun moments? I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and I just think trials like this should spend a day talking about fun dates they went on and maybe cute gifts they bought each other. It's just so upsetting. Today, we won't talk about those people. Instead, we're going to talk about... Elon Musk's impulse buy of Twitter. We'll also talk about mask mandates, the connection between astrology and narcissism, and we'll talk about the real cosmos. Today, I am so excited by today's panel. So, they've both been on the show before. They're both just delightful and wonderful. Um, first up, we have the host of the show Today Explain on Vox. I just listened to an episode of Today Explain, and it was about Bitcoin in El Salvador, and it's what... It's what are those shows where every time you think like whatever happened to like Bitcoin in El Salvador? Today Explained will end up doing an episode of me having that random question in my head. And it's always so fun and delightful. Uh, so thank you so much for doing the show and for being on this one. Hey, guys, it's Sean Ramaswaram. Hey, Sean.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be back.
0: And also joining us, um, th- this is not his first time on the show. Uh, I'm so I'm so privileged to be able to say that. He is an astrophysicist. He is the host of the podcast Star but most importantly, right, you guys, he has a new book out. It's called Welcome to the Universe in 3D. And, I mean, he's just everyone's favorite scientist ever in America. Uh, it is the one, the only, the quite wonderful Neil deGrasse Tyson. Hey, Neil.
1: I, I don't know if I'm everybody's favorite scientist. I think most people don't even know a scientist. So <laughs> I, if, if I'm the only one they know, yeah, maybe I could be <laughs> their favorite. Then you're their
0: favorite scientist. Yeah, yeah, so you, think you get, a get in. I
1: category to rise to the topic. <laughs>
0: uh, well, before we get into the show, I just want to remind everyone I'm going to be at Joe's Pub on April 30th, at the Irvine Improv on May 4th, and at Ralph's in Worcester on May 6th, and I'm going to be announcing a bunch of summer dates where I join the Wait Wait Don't Tell Me stand up tour, and I'm going to hop on yet another tour. So, oh my God, stay tuned for those dates. But and that Joe's pub get... At the,
1: at the oh. theater, at the public theater. That's Ooh.
0: the yeah, the public. The Joe's, um, re- you, at the public the theater, Joe's Pub. Their... It's an an iconic uh, New York establishment. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, well, yeah, guys. Even Neil deGrasse Tyson knows about Joe's Pub, so you should come see me. Um, all right. Let's get into it with topic number one. So Twitter has accepted Elon Musk's $44 billion offer to buy it and take it private. Uh, Elon Musk is the richest dude in the world. He also loves drama and erratic tweeting and being contrarian. Um, I don't know. I was a little uh, confounded by the news, possibly not fond of the news, uh, what, did, what did you think when you first heard about it, uh, Neil?
1: How many corporate entities do any of us even know the person who controls them, right? Almost yeah, everything yeah. that we do think and care about, the cars we drive, the apps we use, we don't know who the CEO is. So all yeah, of a right. sudden there's a very visible CEO and everyone is trying to write articles about it. Uh, it's an investment he made, like get on with life. And, and <laughs> if I had 44000000000 billion, I'd probably buy Twitter too. You know, excuse me, if I had, what is it, uh, 20% of my wealth, then buy, you know, it's not, if that's all I had, if that's all I had, no, yeah. I'm not buying Twitter. But if that's a, a tiny fraction of my total wealth, yeah, I mean, I use Twitter a lot. So sure, let the dude own Twitter and get on with life.
0: Wow. Okay, so this is a hot take that I have not read about in all of the think pieces where everyone's up in arms or excitedly in arms. Uh, Sean, what did, where do you stand on this?
2: Uh, you know, I can see the argument <laughs> to give... That's <laughs> what you just said it right there.
0: You're right. I know. That's, that's the take. No there.
2: words necessary. <laughs> You know, We had Kara Swisher on the show to help us understand this last week because we figured she hangs out with Elon sometimes, so let's talk to someone right. who actually knows the guy. And an interesting point she raised, which was slightly comforting, was like, you know who owns a lot of Twitter stock right now? The Saudis. Do you know anything about the Saudis and why they own Twitter stock? You don't. So why are you so mad about Elon? Which is similar to the point that Neil just made. I think... I want to give the benefit of the doubt, but I think we have a lot of evidence that suggests that he might clown us all eventually on this platform. I mean, just last night, I think he was taking some some Twitter advice from Cernovich, who famously, you know, sort of propagated the, the Pizzagate conspiracy that led to a shooting at a pizza parlor in Washington, D.C. I'm like... I'm team maybe if Twitter dies an ugly death because Elon removes all the content moderation we just move on to a new platform I hear there's something called truth social that <laughs> that I just got an invite to I don't know what it'll be but you know we we didn't we didn't mourn the loss of Friendster and myspace and Facebook that much why don't we just maybe move on eventually to the next thing and and, and leave Elon to you know, fail
1: miserably in this business venture, or or succeed if he he so chooses. Which maybe he'll do nothing, and Twitter will just continue as it is. That's one possibility nobody is considering. But <laughs>
2: I'm just saying. Just I think
1: just to clarify, I don't claim complete knowledge of current events, but I don't think any fo- shots were fired at Pizzagate in the in the pizza parlor in Washington D.C. I think someone showed up with a gun, and would have used it, but did not. So just to clarify that bit of news, that's how I remember it. And yeah, that I'm, might I'm, be right. That might I'm, be right. Pardon I'm sticking me. to Pardon that me. story. Um, yeah. by the way, here's another point to ponder. Suppose he says, let's make it complete knock down, drag out free speech, bring Trump back on. And so I think we, maybe we have the wrong outlook here. The, the outlook is yes. Free speech is a fundamental tenet of what it is to be American in America. Yes. So maybe the free speech needs to, what we need to do is amplify the speech that is progressive towards a more civil society. Mm -hmm. And have that win the contest of free speech. That's free speech at its finest. So if you Mm -hmm. run around just editing people out, they're still going to be there. And they're gonna say well no one's listening to me because you cut me off that's a very different statement from saying no one's listening to me because i'm wrong (laughs) because (laughs) nobody cares about anything i say Uh, so it's that second situation that i think you want to strive towards and elon is smart there's everyone trying to second guess him he's smarter than everybody this has been manifested multiple times with his stock price, with his business decisions. He's, um, uh, 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 all Wall Street's trying to second guess him, and they've been wrong every single time, every single time that mattered. So I'm reminded of that quote, often attributed to Nietzsche, um, that those-
0: I was waiting for Nietzsche to come into this. Okay, so this is, here it is. Took us a few minutes, but we got there. Okay, yeah. So the quote from Nietzsche-
1: Those who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. (laughs) So if you everything you say about Elon, he's, he's crazy. He's drunk texting. He's high texting. He's doing this. Meanwhile, he has one of the most valuable companies in the world. He's doing something right that we're not. So I'd let it go. Plus, I do know Elon. I mean, we're not beer drinking buddies, but we've... Corresponded, and I, he's been on my podcast, uh, so uh, I have some history with him, and I i trust him. Not implicitly, but explicitly, I trust him. Hmm.
0: Well, let, I'll just mention a couple of things that are plans, what seems like plans that he wants to do. So he calls himself a free speech absolutist. Free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy, and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. Uh, in that respect, he views this as the thing, because this, this could be a miscalculation. Like, I do think Twitter will die, like MySpace died or whatever, <laughs> but he kind of views it as like, no, this is the free speech town forum, and I'm spending $44 billion, you know, to keep it going. Um, and,. I think p- part of the thing that, you know, people worry about that is right like Trump coming back or people, you know, misinformation spreading. I mean, Twitter already has a problem with misinformation. So, mm. uh, could someone like Elon Musk exacerbate that? That's a that's a question. Here's another thing. This is a this one's maybe more fun, I don't know. The edit button.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so he's talked a lot about the edit button, you know, w- but um I guess critics worry that the feature could be weaponized by bad actors, you know? Um, who could change stuff that they wrote it afterwards? Mostly, I think people are excited about correcting typos. Uh, but yes, I, I'm sure some white nationalists are excited about changing entire paragraphs of text. Uh, I've yeah. gotten
1: the Twitter mindset where if you can't find your typo in 240 characters, then take a, do something else with your life.
0: <laughs> okay. uh, so wait, it's not a novel. So you've never-
1: You didn't didn't write a novel, it's 240 characters.
0: Wait a second, Neil. You've never had a typo in a tweet. Yes, I have,
1: and it's a little bit embarrassing, but then you commit. But when you have the typo, what what, you know, what I've done, uh, if I catch it early, I just delete it and repost it. So the hundred people who saw it with the typo pale compared with the tens of thousands of people who see the correct one so that's how i do that if the typo is that's all
2: i just think it'd be so remarkable if elon musk buys twitter and over the course of the next who knows 10 years the only drastic change he makes is it's it's finally introducing the edit feature which should have existed 10 years ago <laughs> oh, that's true how about this You'll, you have 24 hours to edit it how about that I think that's Ooh. Slack has a well, similar also, feature. I think Slack gives you maybe twenty minutes to edit
1: something, and then because and the, then the you value of that, that is, you said something in that moment, and that has that social cultural value when you're mining people's prevailing attitudes. If ten years later you say. Wow, the social mores have changed. That makes it bad 10 years ago. So let me go in and edit that. No, that's what you thought back then. <laughs> Lay that out. Let me see what you would like back then. But you could say, no, that was then and this is now. So I wanted that arc, I think, is an important feature. Yeah.
0: Now, here's a question for both of you that I think will explain to us how much you really use or value or give a shit about Twitter. Now, one of the things they're talking about is getting rid of advertising and moving to a subscription model. Would you pay to subscribe to Twitter?
2: I'm just going to go first here. I've thought about this a lot this week as I've seen the rumors. And I don't think I would because I don't think Twitter brings out the best in me personally. I love it for the lols. But I even try to avoid Whole Foods just to spread my money around though i don't know who owns safeway i try to go there instead of whole foods cuz i don't want to give more money to jeff bezos i don't yeah, think i would want to give more money to the richest man in the world if if if, if right. twitter had become a not for profit or something instead of going this route and said hey cough up 10 bucks a month to use our service i might have considered it but but now that elon musk owns it i'm a little less excited to fork over some money
0: neil are you paying for twitter
1: no I don't mind advertising models. I grew up with that. You watch a TV program, 22 yeah. minutes is TV and eight minutes is commercials. I, I want that option. You know when I'm when I'm surfing the streaming services and you want me to pay? No, just put throw in a commercial every now and then. I, I, I grew up with that rhythm, right? Sometimes in the two hours you got to go to the bathroom. Yes, Sometimes yes. you got to. <laughs> what else would you use commercials Total for? Totally. And maybe I'd want to see a commercial sell me something that I hadn't thought of. I don't have a problem with the commercial
2: model. One thing I think is interesting here, again, is that uh, Elon has said, I think, as as recently as last week, when he spoke at uh, a TED conference, that he's not really interested in the business of Twitter. He's not that interested in making it profitable, and I think we've seen that he's not that interested. In advertising, and I think if he wants less content moderation, that might scare away advertisers. So there might actually be less of a incentive for advertisers to give Twitter money. And I think I've read that that you know Twitter has had more struggles with advertising compared to Instagram and Facebook because there's a less obvious sort of value proposition for advertisers. On Instagram, it's, hey, we're showing you photos. Here's a photo of something you want to buy. On Facebook, it's, hey, we know everything about you. Here's that truck you want to buy. On Twitter, it's like you're a random smattering of people who are here for very dramatically different reasons. <laughs> right. Here's an ad for an article from New York Magazine. You know, that's what I mostly see, a company I work for. So um, I-, I don't know if advertising is the future. But yeah, I think there might be something in subscriptions. I think the most interesting idea of I- I've heard is to make... People like Neil, who have boatloads of followers, pay per tweet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, What?
2: (laughs) Sorry, Neil. (laughs) Pay per tweet Uh, that
1: they post? Yeah. 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 I haven't posted. I I post maybe three tweets a week. I'm pretty low on the Twitter. Some people have hundreds of thousands of posts. No. Right. So... So, but, yeah. but I
2: think they're saying, okay, so you people who with the most amounts of, with the highest amount of followers, get the most out of Twitter. People like Elon Musk. So what if
1: we made those people pay more for, for wait, wait, more wait. tweets? Who says that I get the most out of Twitter? Is it they're not I Twitter. who's providing content for others? Isn't it they who are getting the most out of me? This is an existential question. Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't yeah, have to tweet. Yeah. Almost every one of my tweets is not telling everyone what my opinion is. It is teaching you something, offering you a perspective that you might not have had. So I, maybe I'm delusional here, but I think I'm providing a service in the, I think I'm feeding people's curiosity, their cosmic mm-hmm. curiosity. Mm-hmm. And if that's not what I'm doing, then I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, By the way, I have a new book out right now. Wait, wait, I have a new book out? <laughs> I have not mentioned it on Twitter, because I'm not, that's not how I use it. Because if I say, look, guys, I have a book out, no one's learning from that tweet, okay? But if I post a tweet that says, by the way, if you're filling a glass of water and you get halfway, it's half full. And if you're drinking from a glass of water and, it's half, and, and you're halfway, then it's half empty, that's what a health <laughs> class is. Uh, no need to invoke psychological gross. state. I tweeted that. It's got hundred <laughs> what I have seventy thousand likes. This is insights into the world.
2: I guess the question is if you had to pay two hundred dollars to tweet
1: that, <laughs> would you have tweeted it?
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. That's why
1: I'm saying right. this is not for my benefit. I'm not doing this for me.
0: Uh, by the way, for for those of you who want more uh, water glass drinking content, please subscribe to Neil deGrasse Tyson's tweet, Twitter right now. That's what you'll get.
1: But yeah, because back in the day when it was only 140 characters, uh, I'd said I'm not going to choose a Twitter handle with my full middle name because I I need those characters.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's yeah. An
1: extra word and a half that I couldn't. No, used totally. In my tweet.
0: All right. Well, folks, let me know, what are you doing? Are you leaving Twitter? This was, I think, such a a tempered discussion that actually makes me feel a lot better about the sale of Twitter in a maybe like who cares kind of way. It's fine. It might just be totally fine. It's not a big deal. Um, So we're going to take a quick bake and we're going to hear about our sponsors. And when we come back, we will continue speaking. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you. With a click of a button, it's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the apps features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you you rocket money for like fixing the shame glaze on my life uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation again that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation rocketmoney.com/ fake the nation you guys Carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you because at Carmax we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. We are back. And before we get into the next topic, I just wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping. Last week, I accidentally dead-named Caitlyn Jenner. It was a total accident. And nobody picked it up, including myself, uh, until a wonderful listener, Bill, pointed it out to me on Twitter. So thank you, Bill, for pointing that out. And apologies, um, again, for, for doing that, for, for dead-naming Cait- Caitlyn Jenner. And I also want to let everybody know that Fake the Nation veteran Leah Bonema will be in Charleston at Theater 99, April 28th through the 30th. You love Leah on this show. Leah Bonema is someone who consistently kills in stand up. I can attest to this. I've never seen her not kill. She is fantastic. So if you are in Charleston, South Carolina, or anywhere near definitely go see your April 29th uh sorry April 28th through the 30th again at theater 99 in Charleston South Carolina and let's now get into topic number two Mass mandates are mostly gone. I mean, there was a judge who ruled very suddenly that there are no more masks on flights. Uh, what, I, what do you feel? I mean, th- we seem to be thrust into a new uh, era of the pandemic uh, very suddenly last week when these mask mandates were lifted.
1: It was a Florida judge. Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) Very important distinction.
1: A a 33-year-old Florida
2: judge who had been a lawyer for under a decade, I think. Yeah, okay. Never a judge before, yeah.
0: According to the Bar Association, didn't have enough experience to be a judge. Um, So this judge— Florida
1: judge. You just want to clarify that (laughs) when you make these statements. Go on.
0: But I mean, what I, so, and and the crazy thing about the mandate ending and how suddenly it ended is that there were people boarding flights when they lifted the mask mandate and they were like, um, and watching other people take their masks off and they were, you know, maybe people who wouldn't have taken a flight if it, if the, if they knew about the mask mandate. So I don't know, what did you think about how this happened? Um, and the Biden administration response, which was a little kind of, um, oddly indifferent at first, uh, what, what did you think?
1: This is an easy thing. I, I don't know why politicians and judges are offering medical advice, okay? Because removal of a mask is a medical has medical consequences and I don't know why they're doing this. What kind of a country are we living in where that's who we're getting our instructions from? Or, or even if it's folks like Joe Rogan. Why is it that people who are not medical professionals are those who we're all listening to? That's a question I have. But secondly, the N95 mask, as far as I understand, is used in operating rooms and hospitals. Yeah. All right. This prevents anything bad from going into you and anything bad in you from exiting. So if you wear a proper mask and not just a bandito scarf, right, then (laughs) (laughs) whatever or sock, whatever people have been trying to get away with, then then you are protected from whatever the health goes on there. So so I've never, yeah, I've been concerned when people don't wear their masks because there are others who might be susceptible more than I am, but uh, depending on what situation I'm in, I wear an ever more significant mask. I just came off the subway minutes ago uh, uh, and I had my full up N95 mask because everybody's all in your face. I cross the park I still wear the mask when I'm outdoors I wear a lighter mask. So I think if you care about your own health and you're scientifically literate and you know about virus and viral contamination it's you're fine.
0: Can I just say about the thing you know about doctors wearing masks in surgeries my dad is a surgeon and I you know he was Wait, just dad's sort a surgeon
1: of- and you're a comedian how did that turn out in the family?
0: <laughs> turned out like a disappointment is how that turned
1: out. <laughs> well, oh, we love it. you, Nagin, even if you are the flunky of the family. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I. But, but my dad, you know, has been, um, as a surgeon who's been all up in people's organs, has been, you know, confronted with every type of disease possible in the last 30 years, right? He has just seen it all, has been in the same room with so much of, you know, everything you can imagine. And because masks he has been protected by and large. I'm not saying mm. that like every doctor is protected all the time from everything, but I mean, by and large, he's been protected. And so the idea of, again, I'm not a doctor, so don't listen to me. This is just, I am, however, a doctor's daughter. So go ahead and give me at least a PhD <laughs> for that. Um, I So I think you can, you do get protection in the way that surgeons get protection, right? So like there is some, a way in which we can all like not freak out. And uh, and look at one way masking as something that's reasonable. Sean, where are
2: you? I want to I want to pick up on what you said about the president because so I think this happened on Monday of last week. On Tuesday, the president was asked about it, and he said, you know, it's up to the individual. It's it's your choice. It's the individual choice. And then I think by Thursday, the Department of Justice was pushing back on the Florida judge in the name of sort of not wanting to set this legal precedent of a Florida judge of 33 years of age sort of setting the scientific standard for the country when it comes to mm-hmm. masking or whatever else it might be. I think the Biden administration could have sort of come out stronger in one direction instead of saying, you know, it's up to the individual after having this mandate in place for so long. It leaves people confused. It leaves those people who oppose the mask mandate feeling like, oh, this was just here for no reason. This Florida judge ended it. And the Biden administration saying, yeah, it should have been over. It
1: leaves people confused who get their medical advice from politicians. But if you're otherwise scientifically literate, you're not confused, they're just being politicians. So I, I I can't. Yes, I agree. I'm not sure that people make the distinction between President Biden and the yeah, CDC. That's so I think he problem. could have
2: had better communication there. He could have come out stronger in the outset and said, listen, a judge made a bad decision. The CDC is going to challenge it. Instead, the way it was handled feels so haphazard. And now what? You know, you've got you've got local transit agencies rolling back their mandates. You got Uber and Lyft rolling back their mandates. And, and the country's sort of in this free for all That leaves no one completely sure of what the right answer is, I think, unless, yes, you are very literate and understand CDC guidance and look up CDC guidance for, for, you know, setting your your family household regulations, whatever it might be. And it's part
1: of the open forum that uh, Elon Musk thinks about, that no matter what anyone else tells you, you have access to uh, authoritative sources that are deeply informative and have your health and longevity as a priority so yeah i so I, I, that's why I, I don't get all bent out of shape when i hear politicians say things that are underinformed or misinformed i just say why is anybody listening to them anyway
0: mm. right and 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 i think the, the bent out of shapeness is maybe coming because what does this do for the CDC for future pandemics? Because if we're, if this 33 year old judge just made a decision and that means that in future pandemics, we, the CDC can't enforce masking that becomes a problem. Right? So it's the, it's, I think it's, it's like, but it, it goes back to what you were saying, Neil, the relationship between the polit but the politicians and the doctors, the doctors are the one who should, should really be giving the guidance and not a judge. The judge didn't, it didn't seek guidance
1: if we don't know enough about knowledge and and truth and 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 scientific discovery to know where to get those sources from that's a problem with our educational system <laughs> and something needs to change there so that we don't have yeah. that problem again yeah
0: that's that's a big one like just having this kind of basic literacy on Who are you getting your information from and is that the right source? I feel like that's constantly an issue with education. Barring
2: our fixing the educational system, which I don't think is going to happen in the near future, (laughs) I feel like they're just once again could be much better communication. Sean, you Here underestimate like the power of Fake the
0: Nation. You <laughs> underestimate the power of Fake the Nation. By Friday morning, <laughs> from this, this podcast, okay, changer. by Monday morning, there's going to be a huge change in the educational system.
2: I just <laughs> Sorry, think we make we your have, point. We have two years of, 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 of poor communication, on 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 this pandemic, and unfortunately, it seems like if this was the last salvo of regulations, it ended just like it started, which which was with poor
1: communication. Well, I thought Fauci <laughs> was pretty clear and clean on this, as well as others off it. Um, but but when Fauci was communicating clearly, the president wasn't. So again,
2: you yeah, had okay, okay. right, you right. had this clash of, of 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 opinion, of guidance, of, of way, I'm, leadership. I'm old enough
1: to remember C. Everett Koop. From the 1980s he was mm. he was the uh, uh surgeon general and this is back when aids was spreading badly swiftly and he spoke openly about um what uh, was this the era yeah um condoms was that the era or was it the woman who followed him but the point i'm making is we all listened to him he was interviewed on the news he wore his little uniform he's pretty you know, his, his, his Sunday best, whatever that was, the, right. cause, cause he's the surgeon general, and yep. Yep. no one was saying, hey, I'm going to go listen to President Reagan about my health Right. Management. No one even thought that. And so, so we've lost track. And how come no one can even name who the president's science advisor is? Why, why isn't that a household name?
0: Right. And all, also, I actually can't name this, the current surgeon general.
1: Right. This is my point. This is my point. Yeah. These this, are the people really yeah. who are tasked, who are themselves experts at doing this. So this is a fixable problem. That's all I'm saying.
0: I I also wouldn't mind from Biden a line like I'm gonna let our wonderful team at the CDC handle this, or I'm gonna, you know what I mean, or something like that, where they just are like when it comes to science stuff, they just they, they just defer to the people that do the science. You don't stuff. expect
1: the president to know everything.
0: Yeah, like why would you? Hey, Biden, it's okay. You can say, you know what, on this, I'm gonna let the experts mm. do the talking. I, I would love like responses like that, which I think are are strong responses. I don't I don't think they're weak. And if you want right, to get well, into Oh, yeah, in
1: America, we're free and everything. You can still do that and say, by the way, we're lifting the mask mandate, but you are at higher risk of contracting COVID multiple times if you do. And if you wear this mask, you will not catch it as it continues to spread throughout the population. Then you are you can make an informed decision about your freedoms, all right? And I don't have a problem with that. Oh, and by the way, earlier is a point I wanted to make about Trump being banned from Twitter. Uh, Yeah, the people who wanted him banned got him banned, but the people who didn't want him banned, that is a lot of people out there. Do we realize that more people voted for Donald Trump in the last election than have ever voted for anyone of any level office in the history of the country, except for Biden in the same election? So you're not dealing with someone who was just trounced in the polls. And in the elections, you're dealing with somebody who continues to have a huge following. And if you remove him, there's still the matter of his huge following that's still out there. Right. So this free speech thing is a much more subtle issue than people want to make it when they say, oh, just ban this person and that person and all will be well
0: uh that said it has been more pleasant without trump <laughs> tweeting <laughs> i should want to say for the record all is not well but it's a slightly more pleasant all right and don't we
2: enjoy we, his little us, press release the press releases that come out once in a while I to, mean, tell you, I, I, to tell I, I, you I that he got a hole in one
0: <laughs> cofefe cofefe was maybe the only thing i enjoyed like the entire term all right <laughs> let us move on to topic number three So we read a piece in Psychology Today by Arash Imam Zadeh. I think that that, that dude's Iranian. And in it, he talks about a study that has found a link between um, a belief in astrology and higher levels of narcissism and lower levels of intelligence. Okay, before we get into that, I have a burning question for Neil deGrasse Tyson, our resident astrophysicist here at Fake the Nation today. What, I mean, is astrology something that you, what do, what is what do people like you think of astrology i mean i I imagine you think it's ridiculous or fun I don't know, but like obviously not real. Just where do you stand on that i'm i'm I've got a scientist here and i'm it's my burning question
1: okay it's it's all bullshit <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> no but what's your sign <laughs>
2: okay.
1: I'm Sagittarius, but it's okay. all Vulcan. Um, it, it reminds me, there's a famous physicist, Niels Bohr, who held a, had a horseshoe above his door before he walked in. And one of his colleagues said, uh, uh, Professor Bohr, you're uh, you an eminent physicist, and surely you don't believe in, in, in luck. And he says, uh, no, I don't, but I'm told that if you still hang the horseshoe, it works whether or not you believe in it. So, <laughs> <just many laughs> <weird things. laughs> so let me, let me back up and give a more than yeah. one word answer to your question. Yeah. If yeah. you go back millennia, and, uh, uh, not even less than that, go back 600 years and more and ask people, what is the universe? They'll say, well, we're at the center and the entire dome of the sky revolves around us. And then you say things like, how do you know when to, when to plant your crops? Oh, when this moon is in this constellation. And how do you know when it, oh, then when this constellation is there, then the crops uh, grow. And then it's time to for, to reap. And then they bloom. And the sky knows all of this. In fact, as far as I can tell, the sky is in control of it. It's hard to think about it any other way than that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you do not have access to or knowledge of this structure of the universe and our place in it astrology dates from those times you'll see mercury moving across the sky slow down stop and go backwards who ordered that there's (laughs) a word for it it's called retrograde okay that's kind of interesting mercury's (laughs) in retrograde right that's a that's a word you would come up with if, if you didn't understand what you were looking at if you're in a car and you pull forward faster than the car to your left, it looks like the car to your left went backwards. But you know it didn't. You know it did But You don't have a special word for cars that are stationary or going forward, but just slower than you are. You don't have a special word for that because you fully understand what's going on. What happens when Mercury looks like it's going backwards is it's overtaking us as it goes around the sun faster than we do. And then it comes around the backside and it goes the other way. It's going in one direction around the sun like everybody else is. By the way, all planets go through retrograde just less frequently than Mercury because Mercury has the shortest orbit. Point is, mm-hmm. here we have Actually, a way of thinking about the universe where we are at its center mm-hmm. and we now know we are not at its center. We are very much not the object of interest of the universe, yet astrology has persisted. And so I am not surprised that people who are into astrology have narcissistic personality traits because you have to believe that the planets in the sky. Care about your love life, your financial life, or your social life. To think that way at all requires an ego level that is beyond reach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of but do the, we think um, do we
2: think we, we, we yeah. rely on, on astrology because of an
1: absence of, say, religious belief or oh, a very important question or, there or Some scientific education in mm-hmm. your case. A study was done, and I haven't seen this duplicated, but it was completely sensible when I read about it. That if you look at belief in things that are not sort of objectively verified truths, so that would include religion, it would include crystal healing, all of this sort of mystical, new agey stuff. It turns out if you add together in any region of the, country, the United States, all of these belief systems, they all come to about the same fraction of people, no matter where you are. But if you near the Bible Belt, 90% of the Bible Belt is religious, 10% astrology. Pacific Northwest, 90% astrology, crystal healing, mm. feather energy, chakra alignment, and 10% <laughs> um, uh, religion. So that led people to wonder... Is there just some fraction of the population that's got to believe in something that does not have scientifically verifiable foundations? This urge right. maybe is, is, is a thing that why should if it's built in to what it is to be human, is it even possible to rid society of it? That's an interesting question.
0: Yeah, I mean it's 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 comfort. It's it's comfort. It's like it's like a grilled cheese sandwich. You know what I mean? Like to believe in a thing, it just sort of makes you feel, you know. And I think that I I agree that it's all bullshit. Have I read my daily horoscope on occasion? Yeah, I have. On a day where I'm just like inexplicably sad, I will literally turn to my horoscope for an explanation. And I just and it just it's like I don't know. It's like watching an episode of Grey's Anatomy, or just like you know. It just like it just makes me feel like it's like the office is on. Oh, it just makes you feel a little like some like comfort. And I think that's kind of the role that religion plays for some people. Okay. So suppose your father, walking into the people.
1: operating table, said <laughs> to the patient before they went under, "I checked your horoscope uh-huh. today, and that means the operation will go well."
0: And you're but- fucked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna jump off the table and run away screaming, okay? With their butt cheek showing behind the the the, the smock. Okay. <laughs> so no. So in all fairness, I, I don't. I don't mean to sound crass. I, I agree with both of what you said. That there is um, people feel a need to have answers to complex questions, even if those answers cannot be established scientifically or experimentally. There's a comfort zone there. And almost everything people say religion brings them is traceable to this comfort that uh, belief in their God or their rituals brings to them in times of need, in times of strife. And um, uh, by the way, the, the tarot, tarot card reading, uh, that comes under a similar category. However, just hear me out on this. In tarot cards, there's a future predicting part of it, yes. But. A tarot card reading is a conversation between the tarot card reader and the person. And what kind of problems are you having today? Well, at the office, well, this I can see in the cards that there's a, there's a stress here at this point, and it's a conversation. Now, yes, the premise is the cards have some deep insight, but maybe that's not what, what's actually going on. What's actually going on is the tarot card reader is your therapist. For that yeah, yeah. It's a prompt. For yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Getting mm-hmm. you to talk about your problems, bring them out in the open, reconnect them in ways that might bring you insights and, and pathways to a solution. So on some level, religion and astrology and tarot card reading and so much of this that involves another human being interlocutor is someone who's listening to you. And how many of us don't have such a person? Mm. I'm, I'm okay with that.
2: And ultimately, we I don't think we've yeah. seen an astrology war yet, whereas we have seen so many religious wars. So until people are killing each other over metro, uh, Mercury being in retrograde,
1: I guess <laughs> you know, really it's
2: ultimately harmless, I want to think.
1: Except when you get into the, the, the faith healing and other uh, other things where medical... Intervention may be necessary. That right. becomes a problem. But you're right. On, on similar levels, harmless. So that's why I'm not mounting, you know, legions of people to combat it, because people you will survive the reading of today's horoscope, Nagy.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad. <laughs> right. And and but interestingly, the article kind of threw an entire generation under the bus. One of the sociologists quoted in it, you know, in, in talking about it, explaining the narcissism connection, wrote, cultural aspects of millennials may emphasize the uniqueness of individuals, which might lead to a more egocentric view of the world. And so basically, millennials are the problem here. They view themselves as the center of the universe and astrology helps them do that, uh, And, and, and it reaffirms that
1: the universe cares about you, yes. And-
2: Sorry, but I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but min- millennials also probably have lost that religious community in, oh, in yeah. a significant way, right? So that they make, have to replace yeah, it with sense. something. So
1: it's avocado toast. Yeah, yeah. Astrology. So so Nagin, there's six pages in this Welcome to the Universe in 3D. There's six pages, and it's 3D, so they're pairs of images. You look through a viewer that's built into the structure of the book. Six pages give deliver the entire sky to you, the north, south, south and then the stars of the four seasons. And when you look at those, sc- the sky through, those, through that viewer, you will see the stars of your favorite constellation stretched out in the full three dimensions that it oh actually is. So if you're thinking that is an actual crab or a centaur or twins or a, uh, whatever, as though it's lights on the inside surface of a dome, that is not the case. These stars are scattered in space, and you see it, and you feel it. And I wonder how many astrology fans will get past those pages intact. <laughs> because
2: they're going to see their
1: stars just, wait a minute, they're not anything. They're just randomly in space. And I'm thinking that it knows who I'm going to date next week. <laughs>
0: So, Neil, this is a great segue because I, wa- um, uh, I wanted to take a chance to talk about the real uh, cosmos and what these stars are actually doing and the book. What is the, what is the purpose of this book? Is it, to, is it to move you away from astrology?
1: It's the fourth in a series of books that have the base title Welcome to the Universe. I wrote a, a, basically a textbook with two of my fellow teaching faculty members when I was at Princeton and it it became a very popular course I think primarily because it was a very breezy we taught it in a very breezy way we told a lot of anecdotes a lot of you know the three of us were like the three tenors right we we each had something to bring different from the other and people wanted it as a book so we wrote it up as a textbook but it's not a textbook but it started getting used as a textbook, so then we had to write a problem book to go with it. There was a problem book. <laughs> then said, well, this book okay. is too big to carry around. Can you make it smaller? So then we skimmed the coolest, most amazing, mind-blowing stuff and made Welcome to the Universe the pocket size tour, which actually fits in your pocket. Then we said, this is the universe. You got to look at the universe in some way. And so we mm-hmm. got in a person who's a big astrophotographer, and we created Welcome to the Universe in 3D. And these are full three-dimensional images of objects in the universe that would otherwise just be a photo of it. And in this book with the, with the viewer, they just pop. And they're sitting there. And all of a sudden, the moon is no longer just a picture of the moon. It is a place. It is an orb. And you end up interacting with the universe emotionally, psychologically, beyond having done so intellectually for having read it. And last thing I'll say about it is on the website, welcometotheuniverse.net, all those books are there, but you click in the 3D section, there's a bonus material where I narrated
2: the captions of
1: each of these images. And so you just click it and you look through rather than have to read it on your own. And I use my best planetarium voice. Hey. (laughs) I'm I'm a planetarium director. You got to do the... Welcome. You got to gotta the do the voice. Yeah, you got to do the voice. So, so that's there <laughs> while you enjoy this. So, um, in fact, it's, it's been out for about a week. It, 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 hit. It was number one of all books on Amazon for two days, and then they ran out of stock. So, so don't go buy it now. Wait,
0: <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Wait until it gets replenished.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's no there's not, none left for you. Sorry.
0: Can you share with us one of the more mind-blowing things I, so so i um i occasionally co-host with you on star talk and we i get to learn a lot about things you know yes. you all know
1: that my co-host is always a professional comedian on star talk and nagin has guest co-hosted Multiple times now, so Negin, we love it when you come on.
0: Oh my God, it's such, a, it's so fun, and I've learned about so many interesting things. Uh, I I was wondering if there's something from the book or from in the the you know the last you know million episodes of Star Talk or from any of your books that is the most mind blowing thing that you're thinking about now about space that you want to share with the listeners.
1: Okay, I there's a lot that I think is we should all have a mind blown at least once a week okay (laughs) okay once a day is a little too much once a week i think is the right (laughs) dose nice so here's one that leaves me awake at night Mm -hmm. Uh, we go out looking for intelligent aliens right search for extraterrestrial intelligence and this is based on the premise that we are a measure of intelligence but who is it that said we were intelligent
0: Right, ourselves.
1: We said it. We said yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Here's that narcissism again. Okay,
0: <laughs> yeah, we yeah, define yeah. ourselves as intelligent.
1: Okay, <laughs> so what's the next closest species to us, the chimpanzee? Are we more intelligent than the chimpanzee? We would all say yes, for sure. But they're 99 percent identical DNA. Oh my gosh. Well, what's the smartest thing a chimp can do? It can stack boxes and reach a banana. But we have the <laughs> James Webb Space Telescope and philosophy and art and right. government and all kinds of complex things. And the chimp can just reach a banana.
0: Right. So
1: here's the question to you. Is, you might say, what a difference that 1% makes. Or maybe there really isn't much difference between reaching a banana and the James Webb Space Telescope. Maybe the difference between those two achievements is as small as the 1% indicates. Because if the smartest chimp does what our toddlers can do, imagine some life form that's 1% beyond us on this intelligence scale. What would we look like to them? They would find Stephen Hawking, the spirit of Stephen Hawking, whatever, roll him forward and say, this human is slightly smarter than the rest because he can yeah. do astrophysics calculations in his head like little alien Timmy over here who just came home from preschool. Oh, Timmy, <laughs> because that's their toddlers, right? What did you do today? Oh, I derived the principles of calculus and I composed four sonnets. Oh, isn't that cute? And you put it in a refrigerator door with a magnet. Do you realize that entity, their simplest thoughts would transcend the deepest of human comprehension? In the same way I could say to a chimp, you know, come back tomorrow at 4.30 in the afternoon. I have a shipment of bananas coming in from Belize. I think you'll like them. What is Belize? What is what, what is tomorrow? What is 4.30? What That is the simplest sentence. So here we are defining ourselves as intelligent. And all I can think of is how unintelligent we would look <laughs> to another species yeah. that is incrementally more intelligent than us as indicated by our incremental intelligence relative to other species they could have literally created earth as a aquarium terrarium to put us for their own amusement when you had the ant farm (laughs) in elementary school and do you think the ants know they're in an ant farm i don't know they're pretty busy and and you just look staring at them how do we know if they're smart enough we would not even know that we were in their zoo. That's my point. I think about that all the time. And I want you all to lose sleep on that the way I do.
0: <laughs> wow, folks, Neil deGrasse Tyson putting human beings in their place. <laughs> wow, cosmic perspective. Indeed, that is the end of our show. What? It's what? been Yes, this just went by so quickly. Sure, you called me up to
1: put the universe inside this short amount of time?
0: Oh, folks, what a wonderful, wonderful episode of this show. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I would love for the listeners of Faith the Nation to be able to follow you both and all the wonderful things you're doing. Sean, where do they do that?
2: Um, Today, explained. Subscribe wherever you listen.
0: Like I said, it's a really great podcast. You should definitely listen. It's one of my regular listens.
1: Um, But suppose I want um, tomorrow explained, then who do I listen to? um, (laughs) Just listen to our show tomorrow.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got that timeline thing figured out. Okay.
0: <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, where do people find you?
1: Oh, I, if, if they care. I mean, I'm, I'm a servant of curiosity. I'm not trying to – but I'm on Twitter, Neil Tyson, but Neil deGrasse Tyson on all the other platforms, uh, TikTok uh, and elsewhere. So I have someone one-third my age helping me post on TikTok. Uh, so <laughs> that's the right equation there, as, as I've come to realize there. Uh, but all those media, and there are ways to really share the universe um, with everybody there. The, the most recent post on Instagram, uh, there was a Jeopardy question, okay? This director of the Hayden Planetarium was infamous for demoting Pluto uh, several years back. And all three of them didn't even answer it's not like they oh, thought it was somebody no. they didn't even answer Sorry. so we t- we took that moment and and we spliced in me just making a face of like what it's an honor just to be a jeopardy answer yeah don't know no it's better if they know what the hell who the hell you are but <laughs> anyway. so we're, there's some stuff on all those platforms i think
0: there is fun stuff on all those platforms, and uh, obviously uh, g- check out the book when it is again available. Welcome to the universe in three D. It sounds um, it sounds actually like a really momentous experience. Um, and I, uh, you know where to find me and all the things that I do. And I just want to also mention I'm on a show called What I Like to You on the CW. Um, it's it's created and hosted by my buddy Asif Manvi, who you've also heard on Fake the Nation, uh, and I'm on an episode with. Isaac Mizrahi and, and Helena York and it is just it's so funny um, and oh and Nomi Fry from uh, the New Yorker and it's it was just a really really fun episode so ch- make sure to check out what I lie to you yes M- 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 M-
1: M- you have a podcast called fake the nation And you're on a CW show called I Lie to You. Nagin, you're not giving us any
0: confidence. I'm all, never listen to what I'm saying because I'm never telling you the truth. It's basically, (laughs) I'm just a sociopath, is what's happening. Oh, and what I would really love to do is um, shout out all the people that make this show possible. That's our wonderful producer, Danielle Jones-Wesley, our fantastic sound engineer, Daniel ramos our amazing theme music was written by Gabby Alter. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Email us at at headgum.com. Join the Patreon for bonus content uh will uh, that that patreoncom and we'll be back in your earballs next week.
2: That was a Headgum podcast.